Morning, New Life. Yeah, I'm one of the, uh, the absurd people that doesn't use Spotify. Um, I use uh, YouTube Music. I don't think there's many of us that use YouTube Music. Oh, there's like one or two. I see you're in my age bracket as well, the people that use it, you know? And so <laughs> we have kids, you know? So we have other priorities, I guess, uh, to put YouTube onto them. It does give me a recap, though. It's a little bit embarrassing. It was like some K-pop group, and I didn't know I listened to so much K-pop, but apparently I do. Well, my name is Young. If I haven't met you yet, um, I'm a pastor here at New Life. Uh, we've got a number of people away um, as COVID restrictions have eased a little bit, and so they're away overseas. So church might look a little bit different. Uh, it might look a little bit uh, like you have some empty seats around you. Um, if you are away and happen to be on the live stream, um, then do say hi to us in the chat. Uh, for those that have remained, I think there's a really great opportunity uh, for you to get to know some new people as well, um, to grow in fellowship together as we head towards Christmas and New Year's especially. You know, maybe go out to lunch together and have some coffee, um, hear each other's stories. Um, before we get into anything else though, how about we pray and then we'll get into the word. Father, we're thankful as we head towards Christmas, uh, only a week away now, that we have peace. We have true peace in your son, Jesus. And we have peace especially because we are called new creation in him. We know, Lord, that you gave your son uh, that we might be made in his likeness, that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so we turn to you now, God, and we ask that you would do this work in us. Overcome our objections overcome the idols in our hearts, the desires that we have for so many other things, and help rewrite them, God, that we might really desire you, that we might desire to glorify your Son in our lives, that we might receive the Holy Spirit and be changed by him, God. And we want to be people that when we speak, uh, people can feel, can smell the fragrance of Christ around us, can really experience the newness of life that we have in us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do that work in our hearts, that you would give us the courage to be able to speak of your son Jesus and the many things that he brings into us, the many ways that he changes us, and indeed, the greatest of all, the greatest gift of grace that he's given to us. Would you do this first in our hearts this morning? And would you speak to us and change us by the power of your word would you help us, Lord, to listen? Would you help us to understand what it is that you're saying to us through this word? We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is it that we as new Christians or new creations in Christ do? You know, how do we live as Christians? This might be a question that you now have as a Christian, or this might be uh, something that you just wonder as someone who's interested in Christianity. You know, what do we do as Christians? Uh, we talked recently about how when I first started coming to church, um, I heard about this promise that God would make me happy, that God would fulfill me, that it was this very me-centric thing of wanting to be satisfied, wanting to be at peace. And it's easy to see the end point there. It's easy to see how that ends up. Uh, if this truly was all there is to faith, then it would make you wonder, is that all there is to being a Christian? just feeling peaceful, just feeling happy, just feeling satisfied. 
I'm like, okay, I believe in Jesus, the end. Last week, we saw that clearly we don't become a part of the Jewish people, nor do we remain just as Gentiles, but we are made into new creations in Christ. We're made into Christians. So how do we live? We participate in God's mission of peace. This is one of the first things that we talked about in this series, peace on earth. We participate in this mission. This is how we live. But how does this happen? Look at our passage today. It's a short passage, so we'll read it again in its entirety. And you can follow along on screen or in your Bibles. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and, re- and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, what's happening here in this passage? You know, it feels like such a short snippet, it is. But what's happening here? Jesus is calling God Father. But he's also talking about us in these very same terms as well. And when we think about Jesus talking about his Father, we ought to ask, what kind of son is Jesus? What defines him as son? In the Gospel of John, where this passage is coming from, it puts a lot of emphasis throughout all of the Gospel on a particular aspect of Jesus' sonship to God the Father. And the emphasis is on the perfect obedience of the Son. Now, you guys who have siblings, you might think that your parents see your siblings in this very same way, that they're perfectly obedient and you're not. John 8:29 reads, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, because I always do what pleases him. Jesus always does what pleases the Father. Not only this, he knows this, and he says it outright. I always do what pleases him. Imagine living in such a way as a child. And because Jesus is perfectly obedient, there's this perfect fellowship, perfect love between the Father and the Son. I don't know how many of you are perfectly obedient to your parents. I only knew of one person besides Jesus like this. It was my mom's friend's son, apparently, who apparently got perfect marks in school, studied all day and night. Somehow he seemed to do everything perfectly despite never having a name. I never met him, only heard about him whenever I I wasn't obedient. And then suddenly this perfect figure appeared in my life. Now, jokes aside, jokes aside, I know that even today, I'm nowhere near perfectly obedient to my parents. I wouldn't even say that I'm obedient, okay? Not even perfectly, let alone to God. Yet from what we read here, we are gonna be sent by Jesus as he is sent by the Father. We are to be sent by Jesus as he is sent by the Father as a perfectly obedient son. In other words, this is our relationship to Jesus too. John 15, nine to 10 reads, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. If you keep my commands, just as I have kept my Father's commands. In other words, perfectly obedient. We are to remain in his love, keep his commands and remain just as Jesus did for the Father. 
But before we get into the perfect obedience to all the commands, let's just, you know, focus in on one, okay? The first thing that we read in this passage. Again, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, Jesus was sent by his Father into the world. This is what we're singing about, you know, today as well. This is what we talk about all throughout the Advent season, especially as we head towards Christmas. He incarnated. You know, we're getting closer and closer to that celebration day, Jesus' incarnation here on earth. His mission was to save the world, and we know this. We saw this a few weeks ago, that his mission was to seek and to save the lost. But we, as Christ followers, where are we at? We're no longer of this world. When we read the Bible, this is what we're told. John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of it, the world hates you. And so like Jesus, we are not from this world, but we're sent back into the world that we might seek and save the lost too. So how do we do it? How do we go about seeking and saving the lost as well? This doesn't feel very much easier than being perfectly obedient, to be honest. Jesus is Jesus. I'm me, you're you. I'm sure you get the comparison. We're not Jesus, right? I used to tell my mom that I can't be like her hypothetical friend's son. I don't have the same tools that he does, the same brains, the same drive. I didn't even know what it meant to, she had this saying like, he used to turn the lights on in his eyes to study, and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't, I'm not even sure that my mom's friend's son existed, okay, is the point. So how do we do what Jesus did? Is the Holy Spirit stingy? Is Jesus stingy with the Holy Spirit? This is something we've got to ask ourselves. This is something that we have to understand for ourselves. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son and testifies of Jesus along with us. This is what we're told throughout the Bible. We are sent, but we're not sent alone. Because Jesus is in a constant state of sentness. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Jesus is speaking in... This is a little bit, you know, grammatical, but he's speaking in a perfect tense. As the Father has sent me, although Jesus has ascended to the Father's side, the tense of the words being used here tells us that he is still the sent one. He is still the perfectly sent one. I can tell by how my wife's looking at me through the glass there that it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Okay, but you can trust me on this. He's the perfectly sent one, okay. This means that we are sent as the Father has sent Jesus. Not only are we in a constant state of sentness as well, but Jesus' mission continues in our mission. We don't replace Jesus in his mission. We join him in his mission, and he is the effectiveness of our mission. This is why we evangelize. This is how we have the power to evangelize. I don't know if you consider yourself pretty good at putting furniture together, okay? I, I've moved recently, some of you are nodding along, like, yeah, I'm really good at it. I'm not, you know, I'm the one that sometimes puts in a, a piece backwards, 
And so you have this like little weird particle board piece facing outwards towards you. You can always think about it, you can always see it. You hope that your spouse doesn't see it, but she sees it. When we were in Melbourne, a pastor friend and I were doing ministry with young adults, and we had some ideas about stuff that we wanted to build and put together for sermon illustrations or for decorations around church, for gatherings where people would come together. And we had a friend, we had a mutual friend at church who was a very good builder, very young guy, extremely talented, can always build stuff, is very humble as well, doesn't feel bad when you, know, you ask him for things. And he seemed to be able to make anything that we asked him to. You know, we asked him to make a fire pit for one of our young adult gatherings so we could have a big fire uh, that we could gather around. He did it. Once he made a picnic table, he's not Korean, okay, but once he made a picnic table with a Korean barbecue grill in the middle of it, just because he tried Korean barbecue with us and he really liked it. And so he just made it, he invited us over so we could have it together. The point is, suddenly we felt really free to come up with all sorts of crazy ideas for our young adult gatherings because we knew that we had an executor. We knew that it wasn't up to us and our ham hands and you know, what we were trying to do. We could plan things and we could ask our builder friend to execute, knowing that his effectiveness directly impacted our output to whatever we were trying to do. Here's the model for us Christians. Jesus was perfectly obedient to and dependent upon the Father. So the Father sets his seal of approval upon the Son and he pours out the Spirit upon him without measure. There's no limit to it. He's not stingy with the Spirit. And we too become children of God through the work and the person of Jesus. The Spirit is imparted to us when we follow him. And then we receive the Father's seal of approval because of what Jesus did. What does it mean for us to be children who have received the Spirit? It means that we're sanctified in Christ, we grow in holiness by God's word, we grow in obedience to God as we become more and more dependent upon him all the way towards perfection, towards being perfectly obedient. And so Jesus can say to us, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and we read this in PSP, and it reads this, Jesus came near and said to him, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We as Christians, we're on mission just as Jesus was and is. And if we're doing it the same way that Jesus did, that means that we don't stop. And Sunday, 11.30 a.m. is not when we clock out of our mission and we go back to being our normal selves because we're always going. When Jesus gives that great commission and says, go, you're always going. You're in a constant state of going. You don't stop. We're always open. We're variable in our approach with different people. I understand this. As we seek to make disciples of all nations, as we teach others to observe everything Jesus has commanded, that we might be perfectly obedient to Jesus the same way that Jesus is to the Father. And this might feel a little bit overwhelming for you. 
It's very much the same way I feel overwhelmed when I see an IKEA box, and then there's multiple boxes, and I know it's going to be a long day ahead. It's the same way that teaching others to obey all that Jesus has commanded feels a little bit overwhelming. But let's not take this as a single discrete thing, okay? Teaching people to obey all that Jesus has commanded, that's not the only thing that we do in our lives. That's not the only thing that Jesus has said to us. Jesus, he doesn't just exist to be a point of comparison for us, like my mom's you know, perfect little friend. No, let's take it in context and hold it in balance with everything else that happens with Jesus' mission. Because he came to seek and to save the lost, and we count ourselves among that number. The gift that he gives us, that we might not perish but have eternal life as we believe in him, that we might live a new life as God's children alongside our brother Jesus, that we might be set free from the slavery of sin. When Jesus talks about forgiveness at the end of this passage, it reminds us of these things reminds us not to hold our own ability or our own inability for obedience above Jesus' gift of grace. Read with me, verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Jesus doesn't just say this only to remind us of our own forgiveness, though, and our own standing because of what he's done. Because at face value, how do you read this verse? It can be really confusing, right? What does it mean that we forgive or retain the sins of others? Do we suddenly have godlike powers that we can say, I don't like him, you know, his sins are retained. I like him, his sins are forgiven. No, we don't do the work of salvation ourselves. This verse is talking about the work of preaching the gospel. We're on mission with Jesus. This is his commission to us. We preach the gospel which brings people to repentance as they hear of God's forgiveness for them. We bring forgiveness to them by preaching the gospel. This is our forgiveness towards others. They hear of the cost of this forgiveness, that Jesus died for their sins, and then they hear of the welcome that they have in the Father, these open arms as the Father now awaits them. Otherwise, the hardness of their hearts, they might receive this message and they might be unresponsive or become even antagonistic towards our forgiveness, which means that their sins are retained by God. Our preaching the gospel, our taking up of our mission call, it's the work of God in that we bring God's forgiveness to other people or allow for the retention of their sins. And so there is the burden of responsibility, yes. But as we share in these things, it remains God's work. It's not fully just our work. We're joining in with God's mission. We don't replace Jesus and his mission to seek and to save the lost, but instead we as Christians, as new creation in Christ, we join Jesus in his mission. And so we have come to seek and to save the lost too. Why don't you pray with me? Can we take up this call now, new life? Can we, as witnesses of Jesus Christ in our lives, proclaim the message of forgiveness? 
Can we declare our Father's love for us and live out this message that we preach by the power of the Holy Spirit? Why don't I give you a moment to turn to God now to ask for these things, that you, as a witness to Jesus, might be able to proclaim this message of forgiveness and to live out this message as well. Let's pray. Christmas, why don't we take this time to pray for those in your lives that don't know Jesus, who aren't forgiven, that you might be on mission, that you might preach the gospel to them. So why don't we lift them up in prayer to God? Let's pray. Father, we gather together as new life. And what an amazing name that is. For it talks about the new life that we now have in your son, Jesus. We thank you for your son, Jesus. 
we thank you, Lord, that he has taken us out of that miry clay, that he set our feet on solid rock, that we might be able to call you by your name, that we might receive your name as our own. When we receive his forgiveness, when we receive his grace, it can feel overwhelming that we are called by your name, that we're given new names, that our old lives are rewritten, that you don't see us, you don't define us by our past sins, but you call us something new. We're Christians. We're little Christs. We are defined by your son, Jesus. Would you help us to live out this forgiveness in our lives, God? Would you help us, Lord, to live as Christians, to no longer live as orphans, looking in from the outside, but to live as fully-fledged members of your family, as children of the living God. And by this, Lord, would you empower us by the gift of your Holy Spirit to be able to speak this message, this saving message of forgiveness to our friends, our family, to all those around us. May we live out this message of forgiveness as well, God. Father, we have people in our lives that don't know you. They might be sitting amongst us here. They might be under the same roof as us. They might be friends near and far. We lift them up to you by name, for you know their name. And we ask, Lord, that you would empower us to be able to share this message of forgiveness with them, that you would help us to recognize, Lord, that the gift of salvation for them is of greater importance than our friendship with them, than our approval by them. Would you help us, Lord, to be bold and courageous when sharing this message, to recognize, Lord, that your gift of salvation is for them. Be with us now, Lord, and help us to love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.